Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a Geek Network special interview. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I am joined by a few of my co-hosts tonight, and I'll introduce them in just a moment. First, I want to welcome our special guest tonight, author of Dead End Kids, Grief, and No Heroin, Frank Gogol. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm glad to have you here, man. Like, uh, we we really enjoyed the books, and I can't wait to get into you know talking about them with you. But um, first thing we want to do is get to know you. So here at Geek Network, our series of shows are based on all forms of media that we consume. Most of our staff got to know each other basically by talking about what we like. I didn't know Josue until this show started, basically. <laughs> so, um, so in the spirit of our first show, which is binge watching, I want to know what you've been watching. What have I been watching? Uh, my wife and I just finished watching uh, Power Rangers Mystic Force. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am a, a huge unabashed Power Rangers fan, and nice. like, ever since the comic came out, uh, started back in 2016, like I've been like really back into it, um, and I've been slowly sort of rewatching everything. And she was like, "Oh, magic!" I was like, "Yes, magic!" And so she watched. <laughs> it. Um, so we did that, and uh, we also just finished something that I can't remember. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count. Um, that's oh, cool. Brooklyn yeah, Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. We we watched oh. the season of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I got caught up. Oh, that's one of me and Hostway's obsessions is Brooklyn Nine Nine. So it's, we talk about it's it every super week. good. It's super good. It's not the kind of thing that I ignore. I I hate comedy. Like I don't like feeling vulnerable, and like laughing is vulnerability to me. Um, <laughs> I'm not a very good comedy writer. Dead and Kids was supposed to be a comedy, and well, you know how that. Oh my out. god. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it, it was gonna it was gonna be my four kids walk into a bank, and then it, it definitely wasn't. It was like my <laughs> true Um. But yeah, no, I, I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's amazing. Nice. And then yeah, back to the Power Rangers thing. Man, these like you're saying the new books, those covers. Oh. I, I am not a variant guy and and yeah. I don't know what they're doing over at Boom, but like they have made those covers so collectible and like they the helmet covers. Like they've got a yeah. science down to like I have all the helmet covers, I have all the Geo Montez covers. Like I mean like it's I hate variant covers. Like Dead and mm-hmm. Kid had probably twenty five variant covers and I appreciate every single artist, but man, it made me uncomfortable like putting that many covers out into the world for one book and, uh-huh. and the Power Rangers books. It's just I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in here, so I won't. But that's yeah, fine. It's totally fine. I, I'm, I'm just gonna buy every fucking cover that they have. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and you know, it's it's cool though because like I do a lot of cons and I see like the boom uh, booth staff a lot, and they give me like the creator and and like industry rate for a lot of stuff. So I get a lot of the really rare ones like much cheaper than I would, which uh-huh. is probably the only reason I can like you know sustain doing this. <laughs> my my dream uh, Power Rangers bearing cover is the the Black Ranger with but with the power armor on. You can you can, you can see it on sometimes. Oh, uh, the, the, the dragon, nice. the dragon yeah. shield one. I got it. Yeah. Oh god, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you want to get that one really cheap, they did. Uh, I don't know why it's exclusive to Mexico, but they did yes. a, version, a version for Mexico, and it's way cheaper. It's like fifteen bucks. That's actually the one I'd want the most, being Mexican. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, you can get like all the really rare ones as a Mexico version for some reason, and they're much cheaper. Uh, one of mine is like that. the The red dragon armor one is like super rare, and like I'm not going to pay what they want nice. for it. So anyway, I'll talk about this till the end of time. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I do have one more Power Rangers question that I wanted to ask, though. Being such a big fan, I got to get your opinion. What did you think of the remake movie? I I actually really dug it. Um, yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. it was, I don't think it was a great Power Rangers movie. 
Like, mm-hmm. I think it was an okay Power Rangers movie. I thought it was a great teen coming of age high school set movie. I mm-hmm. thought like it was a really well representative movie. I think that the cast was awesome. Um, yep. The Power Rangers aspects of it were like less great. And I think that's part of why it didn't do so well. Yeah. Um, and I didn't love Elizabeth Banks as Rita. She was a little campy and over the top for my taste. And oh, it, totally. <laughs> didn't fit the tone of the movie. But like if I had to grade it, it was definitely like a B movie. Like I loved it. I've watched yeah. I don't watch movies more than once usually. And I've watched that one, I think, three times. So like yeah, I mean, that's, nice. that says everything. Yeah, I, th- I felt actually, like it got too much crap, you know. <laughs> so. We actually finally got teenagers with attitude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and Kimberly was like very refreshing take on Kimberly. Oh, totally. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so that's what we were been watching. Uh, next, I'd like to introduce my first co-host, Sir Thomas, who has another question for you. I do. Um, first of all, I'm sure you know I'm the one that's always bugging you on Twitter and stuff. Is, is it <laughs> you? Me. I, I yeah, know that's it. me. <laughs> well, no, it's me. <laughs> it bugging me, man. Like you make me feel. <laughs> no, no, I know. Um, yeah, I'm always on Twitter, especially late at night. I'm a huge night owl. Um, but yeah, our second show is Respawn Ready, um, where we talk about video games. Um, do you game at all, or have you been playing anything? I, I do. Not. I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a gamer, but I do. Uh, I own every system. I've got PS4. I've got Xbox One. I've got a Switch. I've got. I, in my view of me right now, I've got a PS4, a Wii, and uh, <laughs> PS3 all hooked up to the TV in my office where I'm recording. <clears throat> so, like, I mean, I, I game, um, and I and luckily I'm in a position where I can afford to play anything i want um mm-hmm. very, very lucky in that way <clears throat> but uh i don't play a lot of games i'm very selective like there are franchises i'm very um devoted to and like certain types of games i like to play and and that's a pretty narrow field but i do play games to, to, to answer your actual question what are what are the franchises that you're into uh i am a diehard metal gear fan honestly anything Hideo Kojima makes I'll, I'll I'll try at least um I think the man is is brilliant and he's, he's very revolutionary and like even if the games don't always hit the mark I appreciate what they're trying to do like um Death Stranding like I, I I couldn't get into it but like I love the idea and like what it was about so like I love I love Metal Gear um Resident Evil um and like yeah this is gonna sound like blasphemy but the later games I like more like Resident Evil 4 5 and 6 I think are all really great um i'm playing uh resident evil 2 the remake right now uh to get ready Mm -hmm. for three when it comes out next month um out of habit sort of and since i've been doing it for about 20 years i play all the pokemon games when they come out Um, it's it's, it takes me like a a weekend um so i can always like kind of you know justify playing that uh what else am i playing where's my little stack uh i'm in the middle of uncharted 3 i've been working my way through the uncharted series nice uh god of evil is on deck i haven't played it yet but uh i've heard such good things uh i think that that uh the tomb raider series the the reboot series i'm about halfway through that um i kind of like because comics like come out in chapters once a month like i the way i take media in is very sporadic like i don't watch Mm -hmm. a tv show i watch like six tv shows like one episode and then i'll switch shows and like you know work through it almost like that that comic book way so i do that with video games too like i'll be like a stage and then i'll go to another game um i started playing pillars of eternity the other night Mm. uh, which is way too long and too too i'll never finish it i'm sure but yeah it's just like a a breath of fresh air uh i kind of just popped it on in the living room where the xbox is did you uh play pt being a kojima fan 
you know, I, tr- I tried it. I, I liked it. Um, and I just saw the article about like somebody hacked their way to find out like what the ghost is up to when you're yeah. in the bathroom or whatever. Like, um, it wasn't my favorite thing. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a big Silent Hill fan. Like that's one I didn't mention because I, you know, I don't think a lot of people like Silent Hill as much as I do. I love it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's due for like a really good remake or yeah. a new a front, like give it the Tomb Raider treatment, like give it a brand new start and do it really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then I want to do, I want to kick it over to host Sway who wanted to ask you a bit about what you're listening to. Yeah. Hey Frank, it's Josue, and um, we actually had a very similar um, pull list on Twitter on like our favorite Power Rangers shows, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I host the Infinite Playlist, and we do a weekly theme as we add our as we add to our Infinite Playlist. And this week's theme is uh, album openers. So if you have any album openers that you really like, I'd love to add them. Yeah, um, that that's a really hard one because like that's like kind of key for me when I listen to an album. I'm, I'm not a big music person. Like I'm very selective in my taste. I don't think I've consistently listened to new music since probably 2003. <laughs> um, like I'm, I'm a big punk guy. Uh, I like a lot of hardcore, um, e- even some like screamo and, and like uh, emo stuff like new found glory is my pro- probably my favorite band ever. Um, and like yeah. that says everything you need to know about like, <laughs> music. Um, in terms, like if I had to pick one song that like, I'll take two. Uh, well, all right. Let me let me see if I can come up with. This. I, I I got one. Um, Downfall of us all from the Homesick album by A Day to Remember. Oh and yeah. I mean, like it's not my favorite album, but it is a fucking. It slaps like, and when that comes on on my <laughs> playlist, like I I get really amped up and like like if you're gonna start an album, that's the way to do it for sure. Um, if I had to pick another one. Oh man, that's a hard one. Um, oh, you can think about it as we keep talking along, and just like, oh, it's this song. I'd be fine. okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely interrupt you randomly, very rudely, <laughs> to let you know when I get it. I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. And then back to me for our last question. Uh, I host every week. Uh, we have issues, which is going to be the relevant one here, uh, being what we're going to be talking about. But before we start talking about your books, I do want to know who, what else do you read? Uh, any other books that really jump out at you, comic or otherwise? Uh, you know, I am not. I, I have, I have three English degrees: uh, a bachelor's and two masters in creative writing. And I hate reading novels. <laughs> like I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> and it's not even that I hate stories. Like I'm like the act of reading is just laborious and painful for me. Like yeah. like. I, if it's a good book, like uh, Michael Crichton books, like really fly for me. And like the chapters are kind of short and like they move along. And like, that's like the ideal scenario for me. Um, I've read a lot of books uh, mm-hmm. and I appreciate literature and like, I appreciate the study of it. Like that's why I want to write comics. Um, but it really is a fucking task for me. Um, yeah. So like I, I the last book I read, I do a lot of audiobooks now because uh, I walk to work and it's about two miles across San Francisco to, to where my office is. Uh, so I, I work through a lot of audiobooks. Uh, recently I, I listened to slash read annihilation. The book, the movie from two years ago was based mm-hmm. on, it, it was not that good. Uh, the movie was better surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Martian by Andy Weir. Uh, I so really, I, I enjoyed that. That's one that I actually read because the, the, the different sort of like voices and, 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 approaches to narrative it took like sort of called for it and and it was much better in in print um i just read a book called the short a short history of spain i didn't i realized i didn't know almost anything about spanish history so i was like i'm just gonna gonna learn about that um 
And that was sort of like, that was like a weird rabbit hole I went down. Um, I'm like a big pirates and treasure hunting fan. Um, so I read a book about like hunting treasure in the Caribbean. And then I was like, oh shit, I don't know enough about pirates. So then I listened to an autobiography about Henry Morgan, who uh, Captain Morgan is named mm-hmm. after. Um, and then that led me to this history of Spain because they were huge during sort of golden age of pirates and, and like settling the new world. Um, so like, I mean, I, I mostly stick to histories and like, and biography and like stuff that like, I think will make me a more rounded storyteller and like giving me content to work with more than craft. Mm-hmm. If that answers the question. Um, I read a lot of comics though. Like I yeah. read an insane amount of comics. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm talking like probably minimum 20 single issues worth of comics a week. Like if not more on top of like everything else I do uh, right now, I am working through the first Hellboy omnibus. Um, I wasn't initially a fan of Hellboy. I'm not like a big magic person or, or mysticism person, uh, but this is probably my third or second or third time through. And like, I am really appreciating it. And now that I've gotten like halfway through the book, like it's, it's much better than I thought it was. And it, it's, it's, I can see why people love it. Uh, obviously the power Rangers comics. I read uh, issue 49 came out today. And we'll probably be the last issue we get to read for a while. So I was kind of enjoying it. We'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm cautiously hopeful, but like also being realistic about the situation. Uh, What else am I reading? Uh, I've been reading the dynamite James Bond stuff, uh, which Mm. is, which is pretty killer. Like it's, it's pretty light fare. Um, Yeah. It's kind of like one and done story arcs and, yeah, nothing mind blowing, but they're they're good action entertainment, which not a lot of comics sort of really fit that uh, like that space that it's occupying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been reading the From Hell Master Editions or Remastered Editions that have been coming out. I think from IDW. Um, from Hell, I read like way too young, like I was in high school, <laughs> um, and like I just have such deeper appreciation. And reading each chapter like every two months for the last two years has been like. I've been able to take a lot more of it in. Uh, so I think I'm like, mm, like maybe I'm chapter six or seven of 10. Uh, I'm reading Sandman for the first time. Like I said, oh, I don't really, I really don't like magic. Um, so like Sandman was always sort of off my radar, but I was like, I write comics. I make comics. Like I need to read this. Need just to, like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, my street cred. Um, and um, it's, it's sort of a weird experience uh, because on the one hand, like I really do appreciate like the craft that went into it and I can see why people like loved it, but also like 30 years after it came out, like we've seen all of this stuff done by other people now and sometimes better. Um, like they sort of took Gaiman's ideas of, like for craft and stuff and really mastered them. Um, so like a lot of what people like were really blown away by back in 1987, like I'm like, okay, that's, this is where that came from, but I've seen it done already. Um, and, and better. Uh, and yeah, again, like I, I respect the masterpiece that it is. It's just the experience of reading in 2020 is not the same as it was in the late eighties. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, <laughs> so I want to know what you didn't think I was going to say all that. <laughs> no, no, no I'm happy good. to get it all, man. Like, and you mentioned some books that don't get mentioned a lot, which is kind of great. So, um, I'm and I'm really interested in like how you're going to enjoy Sandman because I I really liked it. Um, but I also when I was young I was kind of a hipster with Neil Gaiman, and I mm. was like, oh, I don't like Neil Gaiman. And I the problem was it was when I was so young that I thought Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore were the same person. So, <laughs> so I I was 
just, I was just like, I don't like him. He seems like a jerk. And then as I got to know, I'm like, oh, that's Alan Moore. <laughs> like, and I was like, and Neil Gaiman actually seems like kind of a sweetheart. Like, I was like, I felt really bad. Um, so I, I came to it kind of late, but yeah. Um, I'm halfway so, through, and I and I and like it's it's very good. Like, I'll, I'll say I'll say that I do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, nice. What I appreciate about Salmon is that it's more of a it defies every trope. Like, right in the beginning when he's supposed to fight Lucifer. Like they don't fight; that like, something else happens. That, that's what I really appreciate about Sandman. Yeah, no, there, there's definitely some very cool stuff in there. Like, um, there's an episode of Doctor Who that uh, uh, Gaiman wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. It's from the Matt Smith years of Doctor Who, where like yes. an evil, evil version of Matt Smith's character has to play chess with himself, and like, you know, like you can see that as like a trumped up modern version of like what you know the the was it like a rhyming battle or whatever they did uh sam and, and the devil um mm-hmm. but like that's like you know the 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 modern remastered version of that thing that he invented 30 years ago um but yeah no like it's it's great and i love that like sandman like himself is not the main character almost ever like it's it's told through other people's oh, so point true. of view yeah and, and that i think is is definitely the biggest strength of it like i think that's like uh, where a lot of like modern comic books like I would be much more interested in like uh, like a superhero book for for certain characters, like like a Batman book that is told from like like got like, like GCPD worked really well because it's a Batman book, but it's told from a different point of view, and like Batman mm-hmm. is like a fixture in it, um, and like that's not going to work for everything. But I think that if we saw more books like that, like we'd have a better sort of creative indie feel to some of the titles that kind of feel like you, you know how many yeah. times you want to see daredevil fight the hand yeah you know like i i um i remember when man of steel came out um I, I was like this is cool and all but i was like how great would a superman movie be told with Jimmy olsen as the main character and superman something happening around him you know and i totally get what you're saying where it's like it's great that he's not the center and he's not, you know, it's not just here's the main character and here's his opposite and here's the supporting cast. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Whatever did happen to the Marvel frontline books, like they've been around. Uh, frontline was my favorite civil war title. It was, by it was good. Long, yeah. It was so good. Long shot. Um, yeah. And flew totally under the radar. Yep. Yeah, no. But um, so let's talk about comics because I want to know. Obviously, you ended up writing comics, and how did you, how did you get into comics as a fan and then as a professional? Uh, all right. So I, I get that question pretty much every interview, and it is a <laughs> long question. Um, so I try to like the cliff note version, but I'll, I'll see if I can do it slow, slower. Um, so yeah. uh, when a man and a woman are in love. i'll I'll skip this part this is this um no real um so when i was young like i i had like a really really garbage childhood um my uh both my parents really struggled with drug addiction my my father passed away when i was very young um Mm -hmm. i grew up in a very very poor part of um new jersey on the coast you know sort of a shore town but like really depressed um and like, you know, life was generally not good. If, if, if any of you guys have read dead end kids, like a lot of that is pulled out of like my own childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, I sort of found comics, uh, via sort of, you know, traditional escapism. Um, the road there wasn't like directly to comics. Uh, I kind of came up on, a Spider-Man cartoon in the nineties and Batman, the animated series and power Rangers, obviously, um, Ninja turtles, even before all that, um, and all these things that were either comic book or comic booky, um, really like form the basis for like 
what entertained me and like what I connected with as a child. Um, so when I eventually did find comics, uh, I bought my first comic in 1997. I'll never forget it. It was, uh, it was one of the Marvel DC mashup books uh, from the amalgam universe. It was oh, Spider-, yeah. Spider boy. It was Spider-Man mashed up with Superboy, And I, I thought remember. it was, coolest fucking thing um <laughs> I, I still own the issue it's hanging here in my office it is a terrible comic <laughs> i mean it is, it is representative of everything wrong with the 90s period of comics. yes <laughs> um, but like it was it was that like second domino you know finding sort of comic book pop culture through cartoons and then actually getting a comic book in my hand uh were sort of the first two dominoes for me um so like i i, I fell in love pretty quickly um you know, I, I, I read comics as much as I could, like, you know, when you're a kid and you can't, you know, buy them for yourself, like you're sort of at the, at the will of the universe when you get your next <laughs> one. Um, but when I got to high school and I started working, like I was really sort of all in and, and, um, around the time Marvel civil war was like, where I like cemented as a comic fan, like when civil war was going on, I think I was pulling three issues of each civil war issue, like three mm-hmm. copies. And then every tie in, like I was like. Marvel zombie, I think is the term, right? Um, (laughs) So like, you know, that's, that's sort of like how I came into comics. Um, And then I mentioned uh, that I, you know, in college, I studied uh, a lot of literature and English. Um, I knew uh, in high school that I wanted to be a writer. I didn't really know what kind of writer, Uh, you know, so I I liked poetry. I liked, I liked writing prose at the time. Uh, I liked writing nonfiction. I did a lot of journalism. Um, But like once I like, became like a Marvel nut in, in, in like 2006. I was like, I want to do comics. Um, so I went to college and sort of <laughs> built my entire college career. Like really like this is somebody should have stopped me, but I essentially, I, I chose <laughs> classes and my majors and like what I did on campus and everything based on like how good of a comic book writer I thought it would make me. So I did a double major uh, for my undergrad uh, in communications and English. I had a double minor in graphic design and creative writing. I ran my school's newspaper so I could learn about print production and working on a deadline and, and, and collaboration. Um, I mean, like if, if, if I thought I could help, I did it. And you know, it was, it was, I mean, a lot of it really did help. Like I had a really robust full toolbox, like for when I did eventually start making comics. Uh, but like, you know, I just, I probably could have been smarter about it. I, I went on to, go, <laughs> I went to grad school. I got two graduate degrees, one, uh, both in creative writing, one in sort of general creative writing and one in poetry. And like, believe it or not, the poetry one is the one that it like helped me most with making comics. Yeah. Um, just, just like the, 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 yeah, I, I could talk all day about that. But uh, <laughs> and then in 2011, I graduated with my second master's degree, and I had all these plans about making comics. And then for five years, I didn't. Uh, real life hit, you know. Like I got yeah. out, I got a job, uh, I, met, I met a girl who who I'm now married to. Uh, <laughs> got a dog, you know. You know, it's just life set in, and like you know, the, the schedule filled up and. You know, the free making the free time is, is one of the hardest hurdles most people never get over when you want to make comics. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I sort of fell into comics and how I sort of fell into wanting to write comics. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, like, I, I'm an English major as well. So um, uh, I'm more focused on uh, journalism. Uh, so that's that's just a 
banging profession right now, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was curious about it because you mentioned, you mentioned how much education you had behind it and if that was always the goal. So that's really interesting that you put that much effort into it with this goal in mind. You know, I, I really like that. Were you able to, like you, like you said, life came into play. Were you able to work around the, like the industry? Were you able to do, use the degree for other things or just typical, like you got to get a job, you got to get a job kind of thing. Uh, I, so my, my, like my early, my first few jobs were the first couple of years of being out of my undergraduate and, and like right after my, my graduate studies ended, we're all sort of in marketing. Um, I started as like a, a marketing copywriter and, and in doing that job, I learned, um, sort of like CMS systems, like content management. Um, mm-hmm. and so I could like upload to websites and that sort of led me into, uh, more digital marketing role with less writing involved. And, and eventually I found myself at um, like a pretty big software company in New Jersey doing um, sort of maintaining their website and, and, and sort of managing that process. Um, so like if anything, I got further and further away from writing and comics, like career wise as things went on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, you know, I've never actually said those things in that order and I'm sort of having like a, a realization as we're talking, but like, <laughs> you know, Part of the reason I was able to to get into comics is because I was so miserable at that last job. Um, <laughs> like, don't, don't don't get me wrong, I was super grateful to be employed. This was like right after the recession, so like jobs weren't exactly abundant, um, and it was a really good job. Like, it had great benefits. I got paid way more than anyone my age or or with my qualifications had any right to be. Um, the job was easy for me, honestly. Like, I I, I took to it very well. Um, like, you know, on paper, it was, it was perfect. Like it's what most people dream of. Um, and I was good at it. I just, I didn't really feel particularly fulfilled by it. Um, and for a while, like that didn't really matter to me. Like, you know, like I said, I was sort of settling into early adulthood and, and like, you know, a job is a job is a job. Um, but like, as, as I, you know, was there longer and and things started to become more monotonous and, 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 you know, just kind of like, you know, I just, I got, depressed almost like like i something in me knew like i wasn't doing the thing i should be doing even if i didn't know what that thing was um mm-hmm. and uh in like the early winter of 2015 so like november december uh my wife who was my girlfriend at the time sort of sat me down and was like hey you've been kind of weird lately like is everything okay you seem depressed <laughs> and like you know it was just sort of an innocuous question like just kind of her checking in turned into this like hours long conversation where sort of figured out like no i wasn't happy at the job like in spite of how good it was and good it was to me um and uh you know like that sort of led down the rabbit hole of her saying well if you could be doing something else what would you be doing and and i didn't really have an answer like i just had like moments earlier realized that like what was even wrong um but I, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I was always thinking about comics and I sort of kind of like the kid who's like, I want to be an astronaut or the little girls. Like I want to be an actress kind of just threw it out into the universe. I was like, I, I want to write comics. Like this, this is the thing that would make me happy. Um, if, if like money wasn't an object and I didn't have to worry about the bills being paid, like this is what I would want to be doing. Um, and then like the, the conversation kind of took like a left turn from there. And she's like, well, well, what would you have to do to make that happen? Like, what would that look like? And like, that was super unexpected yeah um, and it turned into this longer conversation um that you know the, the long story short like ended with her saying you know take take a year off work and and do what you have to do to make this happen 
Um, so in January of 2016, I, I stopped working full time um, and started working on learning comics um, and like figuring out like how to make a career out of it. It was, it was, it was pretty wild. This huge, huge gift, like a crazy opportunity like that to this, to every day I wake up and I'm like convinced that it was all a dream. Yeah, man. Like, and that's a, that's a big leap to take a big risk for both you and her, you know, like, so it's, it's great that you got that kind of support, you know? Yeah, no, and I, yeah. I, I feel like she's listening at the door, kind of smiling to herself. <laughs> Every time I record, I'm, I'm sure she is. <laughs> it's rare, though. It's rare to find somebody that will support your dreams like that fully and that easily. And yeah. I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, you can have the best paying job with like the best benefits, and if your heart's not in it, it's never gonna make you happy. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. some people are happy with the money. You know, maybe that's that that's enough for them but i totally get you i mean i'm on the same boat right now to be honest <laughs> and i'm sorry if any coworkers are listening <laughs> um yeah obviously we we all have day jobs so that's fun so <laughs> um so i, I want to start talking about your work because i definitely want to give it the time it deserves um so i want to start with grief uh, and all three of us have read it i really enjoyed it um i'm curious because you you launched your comic career with a bunch of short stories with various artists. Um, like it's not the typical way that you, that, you know, a career usually starts. And I just want to kind of see like, was that, was that how you always envisioned it? Um, you know, I know it started with one of the, with one of the stories, the one about the, uh, the autistic child was the first one, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, when I started that year, um, sort of off from work, uh, I realized pretty quickly, like that it, there, there's a lot of things that go into a comics career. Like there's networking and there's like creative side things, but there's like a lot of business. There's a lot of knowledge you need to know, like about printing and, and I like, you know, I just, I knew like then that in 365 days, I was not going to be able to figure it all out or even like start to scratch the surface. Um, and I'm, I'm like a, a pretty sort of data driven, efficiency driven kind of guy. Um, so my first instinct was like, well, who can I talk to, um, to sort of mainline the information? Um, and a few years back, uh, a coworker of mine at my first job, uh, had mentioned who was also a comics fan and, and wrote comics, um, had mentioned that she had attended a, a school called comics experience, uh, uh, and it's essentially it's a comics creation school, sort of soup to nuts comics, uh, you know, writing, inking, pencils, colors, editing, project management, uh, comic book law. I mean, like like crazy wide range, everything you could possibly imagine needing to know for comics and like multiple levels of it. Um, and it was started by Andy Schmidt who had edited at Marvel. Um, he edited Annihilation over there. He was one of the editors on uh, the uh, Ed Brubaker Captain America stuff that gave us Winter Soldier. Um, and then he went over to Hasbro and, and launched the Transformers line that's still going. Um, so this is a guy, like, I mean, he knows his stuff. And, and mm -hmm. previous to being an editor, he had been a community college teacher. So he sort of started comics experience to kind of marry those two worlds. Um, so I, I signed up for the intro class with Andy. Um, and in that class, I wrote, uh, the script for embrace, uh, the story uh -huh. about the autistic kid. Um, and, and like, I knew that I had all the tools and resources like in me already, like to some extent, like I knew how to write and like, you know, 
had a had a network and stuff like that from having worked and stuff but like using the 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 skills in the right way and for the right things and and in the right order um was sort of what was lost on me and and that class really unlocked sort of a bunch of stuff and showed me how to use everything i had in the toolbox already to be productive um so the class was six weeks and i walked out the other end of it in mid-april i think of 2016 uh Mm -hmm. with the finished script i had uh the colorist Esther, uh, the artist Nanad, and the letter Sean, all sort of waiting in the wings, ready to get this script because uh, I knew that I needed to build some momentum. Um, so the second I had like the final script and it was edited by Andy, you know, professional seal of approval on it, I, I sent it off. And about two weeks later, I got the finished pages back. And I remember opening that email super distinctly. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean. I think this is probably the feeling that uh, parents have when they see their child for the first time when it's born. <laughs> I, I mean that with like all my heart, like open this yeah. email, saw this thing that I created and, and I, I looked at it and I was like, this is fucking amazing. This, this is, this is the thing I want to do forever. Like, and, and I, and like, I also like knew in me that I could um, like if, if I put in the time and the effort. Um, so for the rest of 2016, I, wrote short stories um sort of just honestly it was all exercises like i wanted to mm-hmm. write different genres you know work on different craft elements like narration and audience expectations and and, and di- just different things um but uh something i realized really quickly is that making comics is super expensive um mm-hmm. costs cost a lot of money <laughs> um you're talking like sometimes a couple hundred dollars per page of an issue like oh, i mean God. It, mm-hmm. it, it's all about budgeting and like, you know, what level you're at in comics, but it can really rack up. Um, so like around the time I had about six stories written um, and I was like paying for these on the regular, I, was, I, I printed out all the stories, all the art and, and laid it out on my office floor and started moving things around in real space, kind of trying to get a sense of like what the next story should write, should be about, like what genre. Um, and I, and I sort of, noticed that the stories I write kind of fall into the five stages of the grieving process, like to some extent, sometimes very literally, sometimes like fringely, but uh, generally like that's a, like a way you can organize those stories. Um, So I started writing towards that um, Mm -hmm. specifically with the idea of turning these exercises into a little short story collection, you know, a, a portfolio, yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I was realizing how much money I was spending on this. Um, so I kind of combined the idea of building out that portfolio with putting a Kickstarter together for the portfolio as yeah. a, as an anthology. Um, because yeah, I wanted to also start building some kind of a fan base, like get my work out there and put it in people's hands and get feedback. Um, so, uh, that's what I spent the rest of 2016 doing, uh, in January, 2017, I went back to work uh and continued writing and I'd, I'd built up enough momentum that i was able to do that um and then in april of 2017 i launched grief on kickstarter um i went in with a super low goal 1500 i uh, did it as a digital only book um you know it's like it was like a dollar for the whole thing and then i had like some some tears but everything was like digital um I, I i wasn't confident in my ability to pull off like a large scale print production and shipping you know, thing on yeah. my own. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I and I said, you know, if on day thirty we at the last in the last hour we scrape by by a dollar and get you know fifteen hundred dollars or fifteen hundred one dollars, that's that'll be huge. That'll be a win. Um, <laughs> so I launched the campaign on I think like April seventh or fourteenth or something like that. Um, and I got in my car at like eight thirty to drive to work. And when I got out of my car and got to my computer at work at eight forty nine, something like that, like half hour later. Um, the campaign had been funded already. Like by the nice. time. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it was wild. Like the reaction to the book was so much bigger than I ever expected. Um, and, and like, does, go ahead. Oh, so how does that feel? Like you're just on a drive from a to point B and then you're like, Oh shit, that's done. It's, <laughs> I mean, like it was a huge relief obviously. Cause like I, I was pretty sure that I could do it, but not a hundred percent confident. <laughs> um, but like, just kind of like, looking over the, the things people were backing with and like how, like the behavior of the people backing was kind of interesting because a lot of it was friends and family. And that's like kind of what you expect when you are putting out your first book. But like some of it was like total strangers and like pledging a hundred dollars for no reward. Like, like people just like watched the video and read the, the Kickstarter page and like really believed in like what the book was about. And like, that that like i don't know man like that's the kind of thing like you you don't expect and you don't really know what to do with when it happens to you um but uh you know the campaign went on to uh i think we ended up with like close to 400 backers by the end of the month and almost like three times what we asked for uh in terms of like pledge goal yeah i mean like it was a wild success beyond like my anything i could have imagined um and and like i can't stress like that i really thought that this couldn't happen and and like also that it's you know it's 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 not a print thing like people don't really like digital comics Mm -hmm. um so essentially like people were pledging for this thing that didn't exist in real space and like that's so bizarre like in terms of like actual comic book reader behavior so like it's just i don't know it it was i'm very grateful Uh, a lot of those people still keep up with me I, i do an email list and like a lot of the subscribers are people from that initial kickstarter um so uh yeah but that's that's sort of like the origin story of grief um and then uh yeah nice um it's just interesting kickstarter because we we're hearing a lot now uh these people that go on to make a big impact in the comic book industry are starting on kickstarter uh we spoke with drew zucker who does the art for canto drew and, and i are mortal enemies and, I, <laughs> and, and he, he, he didn't know this until i told him on twitter <laughs> but yeah we're running with it no i love drew i love, I love david boer who who did who wrote canto they're they're both good buddies of mine yeah. and you guys see us on twitter we're always trading jabs so <laughs> but yeah yeah kickstarter like i know it gets some jokes you know people make gags about oh kickstarter gotta fund things but man if you're creative that's such a great way to get funding and see if people are interested in your your business you know so that's pretty awesome i mean i would just tell those i bet a lot of those people like that end kids and i'll tell them right <laughs> now you wouldn't have dead end kids if i didn't have kickstarter so i mean every Everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I don't want to linger too long on grief because I definitely want to talk about the newer stuff. But I did want to specifically point out that uh, I had two favorite stories. I liked them all, but I really liked Different. That was a really interesting story to me. Um, and I just and I like that there's there's not it, there's happens to be kind of a twist in pretty much everything every one of the stories. 
but I never got sick of a twist, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I was anticipating it, but not like, oh, I bet it's this. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't jaded, I guess is the word I would look for. Like, I was like, oh, what's going to happen here, you know? So uh, I really liked the different uh, difference twist. And then, obviously, the most traditional, like, comic book-based story in that was Gravity, um, mm. which I enjoyed quite a bit, too. I personally want to ask, do you have any desire to expand these further any of these stories i would i would absolutely love to like some of them like are pretty final like yeah I mean, you've read it like some of them like i don't i'd have to figure out a way to do it um but there i mean i love everything i've ever made like i and i i can say <laughs> that very genuinely and like i've never written anything that had like to this day hasn't been published and like because i, I believe in everything and i push it and i make it happen um we we have talked um, source point press and I the the publisher who publishes mm-hmm. grief for, for print um, we've talked about like what a grief two would look like or what opportunities for like you know doing a one shot or a mini base in some of these characters are and like those conversations are are by no means done or set in stone or anything but like I like grief so much and I'm so grateful for what it's done for my career that like I almost feel like it would be like sullying it to try and like capitalize on it in any way or to expand it like i just like in and of itself it is it's been so good to me like i mean and well beyond what we've talked about i mean it's it's done extremely well in print it, it got me a ringo nomination after writing comics for two and a half years um so like i don't know there, there's a part of me that doesn't want to like for like sacred reasons um like we're gonna do a, a second printing of it the first printing sold out last july and it's been out of print ever since um and and like when things settle down in comics again um it's gonna get a second printing and i was pretty adamant when we were talking about it that it have a different cover than the original one because like i really wanted those kickstarter backers and the people who bought the first print copies early on to like really have this thing that was their own like out of uh-huh. appreciation um so like yeah sort of splitting the difference we inverted the cover and it's like red and black now and it looks super cool um <laughs> but it's it's you know like i i don't know it's like it's very sacred ground for me in, in a weird way um so i don't know that i ever will like i'm, I'm not yeah. against it but i don't know that i could ever be moved to, to to actually go ahead with it the other consideration is like i have so much else that i want to tell like to, to to go backwards and tell a story with characters i've already visited mm-hmm. would would kind of probably feel like that a step backwards Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's, let's transition straight over to Dead End Kids. So this is my first work of yours that I saw. Um, I'm at the comic book store. I'm looking at the new wall. And being that we're on a podcast and everything, if I see a number one, oh, I'll pick it up. You know, let's see. Picked it up. I re- immediately read it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so I immediately messaged my friend Thomas that's on here with us. And uh, I believe him and his, his lady read it right then, too. And, oh, man, it's... It's so good, and again, like you said, there is a there is a uh, that's your comedy book, but it's obviously not a funny book. Like, um, and you said this is the one most closely based on your life and everything, so it's probably a very personal story for you. Um, like, I guess what I want to ask is like, what did you? What was your goal with that book? I guess what what did, what were you trying to say with that one specifically? 
So, so early on in my career, um, like what, like at the beginning of that year, I took off of work. I set down yeah. some like principles for myself, like things that I believe as a storyteller, and and that I, you know, that I want to stick to, like pillars to sort of guide me. Like, and that sounds kind of woo woo, but it's it's what yeah. I did, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and one of the things I, I set down for myself was like I don't want to tell stories that are preachy. Like it's those aren't they don't jive with me. Um, and and so, but at the same time, I want to tell stories that have substance. Um, like I think if you've read Grief and Dead End Kids, and like you have a sense of the kind of story I write, like they are about heavier mm. topics. They do have not something to say, but they talk about something. Um, like there's not like an agenda or like something you're pushing, but like it, it's an experience, I guess. Um, so like that in kids doesn't really have anything to say. Uh, it started with a question. Um, yeah. like I mentioned, like I had a pretty garbage childhood and, and a lot of the kids I grew up with had as bad or worse than I did. Um, and, and like, I turned out pretty okay. Like, I mean, I hope, <laughs> but like all things considered, like I'm not a criminal, I'm not dead. I'm not a drug addict. Um, and I, I sort of have definitely in life been able to rise above my, my early circumstances. But some of the kids I grew up with, um, two of my best friends in particular, have ha- have not had like that same experience and, and have not had a very good life because of it. And like, so I've always been sort of interested in this question: like, do do the fucked up things that you experience and go through as a child sort of like set the tone for who you end up becoming? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of where it started. And I sort of built the characters and, and the story out of that. Um, so like. I, I have like a very strong opinion about the answer to that question. Um, but as I was writing the book, like the book kind of came up with its own answer that I don't agree with, but is the story. So like, that's how far away from me having something to say. It, it's so much so that the book says something different than I even believe. Um, <laughs> it took on a life of its own. Um, but uh, yeah, like, so like, that the question is like you know does this fucked up stuff that happens to you determine who you become and and i definitely think that it does but i think that the book has a pretty positive message that it doesn't have to um so i mean if like i guess that's probably the closest thing to answering the question that you asked that i can give you yeah no i got you um and like i'm because i pulled it up while we were talking uh the last issue and how it all resolves and i don't want to spoil it because i really want people to pick it up for themselves so but trade came out today for anyone who is listening. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, let's plug that. Trade came out today. <laughs> Good. So, um, I like that there's a resolution to the story. There's a look to the future. But then the last page, I, again, not spoiling, but not the most optimistic thing, you know. And I is think that though? is it I'm, not though. I I would make an argument that it is a very optimistic. Well, thing you know what? Do. Actually, you know what? Now that I look at it, the year. Huh. So uh, yeah. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this in a way that you would understand without spoiling it. Yeah. Think think about the jug of milk in your fridge, and it's yes. got an expiration. It's got an expiration date on it. But you go to drink it like three months later, and it's still good. You know, is that's yeah. pretty good, right? Like, that you know, just occurred to me actually. I oh, didn't yeah. even think yeah. of it yeah. like well, that. And, and, and you know what? That is that was very purposeful. Um, and and I wanted to really re- reward people who paid attention because. And I've never gotten verification on this, so like this is all theory for me. But for anyone who's read Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, you know, you get to the end of the book and things happen, and oh. and it's very easy to miss this. But one one character gets hurt toward the end of the book, 
And then there's a flash forward similar to what's going on dead and kids. And that character is not seen and it's not addressed. And like, Mm. it's very ambiguous what happens to that character. And I always thought that that was like super wild. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry. My my whole opinion of this story just got flipped upside down in my head. I'm processing. (laughs) And, and, And you know what? I know Matt Rosenberg and I've asked him about it and he will not tell me. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, but I mean, so this, this is not me ripping Matt's story. No, no, story. God, no, no. Um, it was honestly, it was like a little bit of trickery on my part because the way the, the second issue ends and the way the third issue starts, like it's sort of like makes you think it's going one way and then you find out it doesn't, but then mm-hmm. you like, then it like the carpet gets pulled out a second time at the end. Like that was a bunch of narrative trickery on my part and I'm glad it landed because Holy crap! That was I was nervous as hell for people to read the last issue. <laughs> no, like I I, I liked it, but knowing that now, I'm just kind of like I'm kind of like, oh man, that's really good. Now, <laughs> like that really blows me away. The just I just skipped past a date, and that changes everything. So, yeah, that's um, crazy. So yeah, uh, I don't even know what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this happens to every podcast. So. <laughs> I do have a uh, question that my fiance wanted me to ask you. Actually, um, I, I unfortunately I am married. She's <laughs> <laughs> taken. Um, she said that there's lyrics to "The Kids Aren't All Right" from The Offspring and Dan yeah. Kids. Yeah, and she wanted to know what if that kind of inspired any part of the story, or are you just a fan of The Offspring? No and no. Um, I I don't dislike The Offspring, um, but they they never really spoke to me very much. I liked that song specifically, um, Mm -hmm. but um, so so I wrote the book, and I I am not the kind of person who wants to have like lyrics at the front of their book. Like like it just it's it has to be done just right, and like it can come off very corny very easily. And I like damn near the day we went to print on it. Like I almost cut that page. Like I, I was on the fence until the end. Um, but I decided to keep it because it fit the tone and set the tone of the book so well that like, yeah. I, I couldn't justify not including it. Yeah. Um, you guys have checked out no heroin. And originally there was a quote at the front of no heroin from the, from the Ramones. Uh, and I, and I cut that like, like, it, you know, just, without pause yeah um, like I, i'm not above cutting things uh, and i can do it very easily like i don't get attached um but that, <laughs> that that quote like i mean just where i grew up that song really spoke to me um there's there's another song um from uh less than j called anthem for h, h street yes. um which is where h street in the book comes from but i also grew up on herbert street so like there's there's lots of like really oh. personal deep cuts in there um, mm-hmm. so that, that was almost at the beginning of the, the book too. Um, but yeah, I don't particularly love the song or dislike the song. Um, it was, it's sort of just serendipity, like write lyrics for the right book at the right time. Yeah. It's more like that specific part of the lyrics that, like you said, it does set the proper tone for what you're about to get into. Yeah. I mean, like, so, cause we have that opening sequence where it's very cinematic, where we're slowly going down the street before the page turn, you, you know, get the splash of Ben's body floating in the water and like, the, the idea of like all these kids growing up on one street and like them all having these really fucked up lives. Like, and it really reflects like the street I grew up on. Like I just in my bones and in my soul, I could not justify not having that. It was too perfect. Nice. 
so that brings us to the last book. And uh, this one, uh, I really wanted to make sure we got some time to talk about. Uh, no heroin. Uh, the tagline, great tagline. Uh, if you want to inform our readers <laughs> uh, how it was described. Um, well, you know, I don't know which version you guys have. My the, the woman who I'm working with for PR actually came up with a better one. So I don't know if you're looking at like version 1.0. Buffy. Uh, <laughs> Buffy. Yeah. Uh, so well, we're going with like for the press, uh, the tagline is like Buffy meets Tank Girl. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Oh, um, that's the new one I've been seeing. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so yeah. Um, what, it's what more publishable. Yeah. It's Buffy. I I don't even remember anymore. It's everything's a mess these days. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, man. You, t- you tell me what it says. Uh. Well, it says like, what if Buffy was a recovering heroin addict? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was I, that, duh. I was like, is it? Is I was like, trying to. I, I was like, I'm not supposed to say heroin. <laughs> like, I was like, no, no, no. no. Book, like, <laughs> no, yeah, no. This, this is Buffy meets Tank Girl. But if she was a recovering junkie, I'd be like, it says everything. And this is a brutal book. Like, it's yeah, dark and honest about addiction. And um, no, we can definitely say the word heroin. <laughs> good, good, good. Just making sure. Um, yeah, the, the Tank Girl con- thing. It's just like it was like much more digestible for like the average person and like yeah yeah gives it a little more of a a range of of people who might check it out yeah and i i mean honestly i can see the tank girl and and that's i i really enjoyed this and um you know like i I really like the art a lot um i like the character designs and uh it's it's a wonderful book (laughs) not yeah horn (laughs) <laughs> writing sucks but everything else is great <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I really like it um and it's I, I i i'm a big buffy fan so you know it's another you know it's a it's a vampire slayer comic and i like the i like the um the twist again i don't want to like spoil anything i want people to read it um but the whole the whole purpose of the first book and then what you find out at the end and it, it's a really good hook it really makes me want to like see where it goes like i, I really appreciate um that much so talk, talk to us about working on no heroin uh yeah okay so uh i I, this so this is gonna be a little revealing about the nature of comics, but I actually wrote the first issue of No Heroin before I wrote Dead End Kids, and oh, so yeah, and it's so things don't always happen in the order. Um, you know, Stephen King's first book to get published was Carrie, but it was the first third book he wrote. So like, I mean, mm-hmm. this is just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, but uh, Chris and I uh, both grew up in New Jersey. Chris is about ten years older than me, give or take. I don't know how old he is, but he's he's older. He's he's old. Um, but uh, and we but we both grew up in the same area. We went to the same high school. We hung out in the same dirty park in Red Bank uh, where Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just ten years apart, and we ended up sharing a comic shop. Uh, and we were both kind of Wednesday warriors. Uh, you know, be there at eleven, sort of shoot the shit like our comic shop was very cool it's very much like a barber shop kind of like everybody hung around and talked for a while and i really liked that atmosphere um and we 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 were friendly and i was aware that he was an artist and he knew that i was getting into writing um but then at the end of 2017 oh my god the years are blending together uh two years ago (laughs) uh, i moved to san francisco with my wife because she wanted to be closer to her family um, so then yeah, I didn't have the same comic shop. I didn't see Chris anymore. Um, but, uh, 
right around the time grief came out, like right after that, uh, in print. Uh, so 2018, uh, I was at a con in outside of Philly and Chris was tabling there and we got to talking one night after hours and just catching up. Um, and the conversation sort of ended with, Hey, you know, like you write, I draw, uh, you know, we've got a lot in common, like, you know, if, if you ever have a project, definitely keep me in mind. Like, you know, I think it'd be cool to do something together, especially since we have so much kind of shared history. And I was like, yeah, definitely. You know, it's kind of what you say. Like a lot of people say that to you know, writers and artists. Um, and, and, you know, kind of left it at that. And then uh, on Sunday morning, I got on the plane to get back to San Francisco or Sunday evening rather. Um, and and by the time I stepped off the plane at SFO, I had written most of the first issue. Um, it kind of like exploded in my mind while I was in, 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 in the air. Um, and it was a number of things. Uh, first and yeah. foremost, like I am a huge Buffy fan. Like we didn't talk at all about Buffy and like her sort of role in my everything. Um, <laughs> I was trying to streamline the story early on, but yeah. Uh, about the same time I picked up my first comic, Buffy started airing and I started watching it way too young. I think it was eight when, when the show aired <laughs> this time. Um, and I was absolutely hooked. Um, and I knew what I was watching was special, even though I didn't have like the, the knowledge and, and vocabulary to like articulate what about the show was so good at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I knew I wanted to tell a Buffy story, but I also know the reality of comics is like not everybody gets to write the book they want. Like, you know, in the history of Spider-Man, like maybe a hundred people have written Spider-Man, like maybe, uh, in, in the history of Buffy comics, I think s- maybe 20 people have written a Buffy story. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, like just that the odds are incredibly astronomically stacked against you, no matter how hard you want it. Like somebody else has to say yes, and it's not guaranteed. Um, so like I, th- I thought of this as my opportunity to tell my Buffy story and, and then knowing like the kinds of stories I tell and like knowing <laughs> Chris and my sort of shared history and, and stuff, you know, in my own life with you know, people who have had addiction, like this, this was sort of like the version of Buffy that was like broke out of my head. Um, and, and like, I, I didn't want to do like a ripoff or a spoof or anything. And so like, you know, you guys have read it. It's not distinctly Buffy. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, she's yeah. not a cheerleader. Um, but like, you can definitely see the influence. Um, yeah. And then like on top of that, like, you know, Chris is very honest about this and open about this, but um, he, he struggled with addiction in his own life many years ago. He's been clean for about 20 years and becoming a comic artist was a big part of his, his health and rehabilitation. Um, so like this whole thing is very much like a passion project for both of us and a whole bunch of ways. Um, and that's sort of where it came from. Um, so I wrote the first issue and then, you know, I went on to do dead end kids cause that was on the schedule already. Um, and then dead end kids like went nuts. Like it, it, totally exceeded expectations like by hundreds of times what what, what i had hoped for um and that kind of put no heroin on the back burner for a while um but uh chris and i came back to it and and uh we got chris's daughter shauna on colors and like working with a, a father daughter art color team is a dream come true because they coordinate with oh. each other and that means i have to be less hands-on like as a project manager it's amazing um and she's incredibly <laughs> talented like as far as i know this is her first like larger than a short story comic project um and like she's doing some professional like i would say marvel and dc level work i mean like it's atmospheric the, the colors really pop and are vibrant you guys oh. haven't seen it in print either i have i have the sole current print copy sitting in front of me <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just sort of as a prop that I can use for the cons that aren't happening anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a good looking book all the way through. The letters are great. Like, I mean, 
Sean lettered Grief and he lettered Dead End Kids, which I think had some of the best lettering of any comic last year. Um, and he's bringing his A game. And then on covers, we've got Ahmed Rafit, who is 1000% going to be a household name in comics in the next few years. Um, I mean, I, I love the cover. Like, <laughs> I just want to make sure I got that out. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Like, I mean, you guys have seen a bunch of my covers at this point. Like, I have a very specific aesthetic that I like for covers. And, like, it's a little different from each one, but I love white space. I love straight lines. I love flat black logos. I like outlines. I mean, like, it's it's very Jonathan Hickman inspired oh. in a lot of ways. And um, even Tom Muller, who uh, is doing all the design work for uh, House of X and Powers of X and X-Men and stuff like that, he's, he's a big influence on, like, what my aesthetic is. And I'm a graphic designer. Um, oh. So, like... I take a pretty big role in like developing covers. Like I, I created the cover dress for every cover of every book I've ever done. Um, almost entirely every logo. Um, and I've worked really close with the artists to like create a very specific vision of the covers. Um, and, and Ahmed is one of the best collaborators I've ever had. Like he takes what I see in my head and does it better than I can imagine. Like, I mean, he's really good. This cover, I'd say this is definitely one of my top two favorite covers. The, the grief cover is, I think probably always going to be my favorite. Um, yeah. And dead end kids too is tied with grief. I think this one might, in my opinion, be better than both of those. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out. I'll, I'll yeah. ask them again in a year. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we, we've got a fantastic team like, and they're firing on all cylinders. I just got the third cover in a couple days ago, the last one for the series. And like, it's killer. Like, I mean, like I, it's, and and uh, you get the yeah the PDF has like sort of the packaging stuff so you guys have seen the credits page and the title page and the back page I mean yeah just like with Dead End Kids it's it's a package like the f- cover to cover everything every on every page every piece of ink used is is important to the feel and you know the reading of the book and it's uh, you know and those are the kind of comics that I read like I mentioned Jonathan Hickman like when you read a Hickman book, like it's not just the words and the pictures, it's the experience. Yeah. Um, And I'm not going to say I'm anything like Jonathan. He's smarter than I'll ever be. (laughs) And, and he's a better graphic designer, but he's the kind of person I aspire to be as a creator. And then telling stories in like the vein of like a Rick Remender. Dude. Oh my God. I mean, you're very much on your way there. I mean, those are just two different people. Like, I, I hate to just like compare you, but it's like you're like almost like no comparison because you're well on your way to making your own name to be just like them. But I don't know. I, I just I hate to compare, you, but because like I don't because it's almost like insulting in, in, in a way. But dude, like Frank, like, you're amazing. Like I love like no heroin and dead end kids is all is all amazing. But I can see definitely see what you're trying to say. Yeah, man. I I'm trying like if I'm better today than I was yesterday and I'm better tomorrow than I was today, like that's, that's what matters to me. Like I'm telling stories that I want to read and trying to do things that like, I haven't seen a lot of in comics talking Mm -hmm. about shit that doesn't get talked about and like telling, like, I don't believe in like three act structure and bullshit like that. And like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say my books are good. That's for other people to decide, but it seems like people dig what I'm going for and, and I'm hoping to do a lot more of it. Nice. Well, we are running out of time and we promised you we'd get you out on time. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and let you go. But before we go, I do want to tell our listeners, go pick up Dead End Kids. The trade is out. Um, once this whole virus stuff has passed, 
go and pick up Grief when it gets re-released and keep your eye out for No Heroin. Uh, I guarantee if you like the sound of what we've been talking about, you will not be disappointed by these books. No, You can actually pre-order No Heroin right now. Um, things things are uncertain for sure. Um, and and you know, the comics industry as a whole is taking things day by day. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, Source Point Press and I had a conversation and, and, and you know, sort of the Nick Fury you know, until such a time that uh, the world stops spittings, you know, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to act as if it hasn't. Exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, just, just stay in contact with your local comic book shop. I mean, yeah. I, mean I talked yeah. to mine today and we kind of talked about, you know, <laughs> kind of like our plan, like if we're in business together on what I'm going to be buying from now on until <laughs> everything's back to normal. But I mean, yeah, they're your, they're your best source. I mean, I'm, yeah. st- I'm still going to be pre-ordering. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for anyone listening whose shop is still open and operating sort of regularly, like you can definitely go in and, and, and pre-order. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things pan out over the next few weeks, but for the time being, you definitely can. If your shop has like limited service right now or it has a forced closure, you can still get in contact with your retailer and they can still pre-order it for you. Um, and if you don't have a retailer or your retailer is like just sort of, you know, MIA and like, not doing anything right now you you can head over to the source point press website and pre-order it too mm-hmm. um i would definitely direct everyone to retailers first they need the help more than anyone else and then the publisher after that for sure um but there are lots of ways to get it um the plan right now is to print it and and, and have it come out on time on january or uh, june 24th um that's a few months away a lot could change between now and then but uh <laughs> yeah pre-ordering comics is is important any other day or month of the year and like especially right now so like if you can throw a few bucks you're 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 re- retailers way and like help them out right now and 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 you also get a dope book out of it like i think that's a win for everybody definitely well again thank you thank you so much for joining us um again i don't want to keep you but we really appreciate it we look forward to the rest of no heroin and uh maybe we'll speak again later on so <laughs> yeah well dead end kids too oh wait wasn't supposed to say that uh, what what what, <laughs> what? Uh! oh man thank you for that thank you Frank. Love it. Frank, there's a there's a lot I wish I could say right now, but I'll message you. <laughs> yeah. all, all in good time, man. All in the good time. <laughs> oh, thanks all a right. lot, man. We appreciate your time, and we'll go ahead and let you go. But thanks again, and yeah, everybody, go to your local comic book shop, buy stuff. <laughs>